0: If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens.
1: Happy Saturday, pet lovers. Let's face it, cats don't always get as much publicity as our dog friends, and certainly in my home, our two kitties are not nearly as in-your-face as our two dogs, but their health is really important to me. Um, I don't always hear as much out there in uh, the media about what I should be doing for my cats, and I see all the time stuff for dogs, so I'm really excited that today we are going to put the focus fully on cats and dig down into some of the most cutting-edge important science that is out there to help us keep our cats healthy and happy. And I am so thrilled to have Dr. Kelly Deal, the science communication liaison from Morris Animal Foundation, here with us today to help us geek out on current feline science. Dr. Deal, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks, Lorian. It's great
1: to be here. And I'm really pleased that you invited me to come and talk about cat health. I want to begin the conversation about environment. So specifically, you know, I was interested when I was looking at some of the science. Its Recent stuff is showing us that they're not fully domesticated, unlike dogs. And so a, a lot of things that we set up for our cats, particularly our indoor cats, are not necessarily the best for their ongoing health. So I want to start with that first piece and and talk about that.
2: Okay, and I agree with you. I think for a long time, as people began to interact more with cats, we had them outside. They lived outside. Mm -hmm. They started to migrate indoors. And now, you know, it's a general recommendation by a lot of us veterinarians that our cats remain mostly indoor cats, right? Right. There's lots of dangers out there. So if they're coming indoors, how can we make that the very best space? for them. Because what we're learning is if our cats are not happy, they can get into mischief that yeah. <laughs> we really don't want them to, to engage in. And so a lot of cat behaviorists got together and they came up with what they called the five pillars of a healthy feline environment. And again, this is in indoor cats. Part of this research was done to address the needs of shelter cats. And we know that, unfortunately, a lot of cats end up in our cat shelters for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to try to enhance and enrich their environment. So they came up with these five pillars.
1: Right. And, and I, I, what I think is fascinating about these five pillars is that a lot of it seems like well, yeah, of course, but it's also not stuff that I'm personally actively doing. Some I am, but some I'm not.
2: Right, and I think I have to say, as one our researcher said when I uh, contacted her and said, gosh, I don't do this, she goes, well, you're not the only one. There are a lot of red faces out there, and I agree with you, Lori, and a lot of this seems common sense, but the concept is these aren't just optional. These are really needed by our indoor cats.
1: Okay, great. So let's let's start. So the first one is to provide multiple and separated key environmental resources without competition. Explain what that means.
2: Okay, that's a pretty fancy way of saying our cats really need separate areas, so separate litter pans or multiple litter pans, multiple food bowls, multiple water area areas where they can each find a place, especially in a multi-cat household, to sleep where they can be undisturbed. So I think uh, you know a very obvious problem is, I'm sure a lot of us, we put dry food down in a bowl and they're all eating out of it. We should probably have multiple areas and multiple bowls for them to feed on their own. And the basis of that is that, as we know, our wild cats tend to be pretty solitary. We know some cats come together Lions being a good example. But I think all of us know that a lot of our wildcats live very individual lives. And so this idea of competition is actually stressful. And they may see even simply sharing a water bowl as being a competitive situation.
1: Hmm. And, 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 and also kind of to tie into that is that need for privacy, privacy.
2: Right, and that ties in with another pillar, right, which is provide them a safe place to be. So we've all seen those big cat towers, right, and cats can climb up. Uh, If your cats are like my cats when I was growing up and even now, where do they go? They like to sit on the back of the sofa or on the back of your chair, right? They like that high perch. Well, they're just naturally acting out what they would do in the wild, which is find an isolated high spot. Sometimes if you've had cats, you know, they love an empty box. They will find an empty box and flip around and hide in it. That's another actually safe place. They see that as a safe spot.
1: Now, um, this one I think is really, really key. Provide opportunity for play and predatory behavior. Talk to us about that.
2: Right, and that's another one of the pillars, and I think it's one we neglect, particularly in our adult cats. I can tell you that I think we think of kittens, right, as being very active, How I, you know, how many times have we tied a piece of paper to a string and dragged it around the house, right, and they jump at it, we give them little feather toys, we give them, a lot of toys are out there with springs, and I think we tend to give them to our kittens, but we're neglecting the fact that our older cats apparently also need that kind of stimulation. And again, it feeds back to what do cats do in the wild? They're very predatory. They spend a lot of time exhibiting hunting behaviors, not all the time successful, but that is a significant part of what they do during their day. And so when we deprive our older cats of that stimulation, as well as of course, provide young cats with that stimulation, we're actually doing our cats a great disservice. When we don't engage in that kind of behavior or give them opportunities for that.
1: Awesome. So, and that kind of uh, goes a little bit towards this next thing. So, about providing positive, consistent, predictable human cat interactions, because so many people, they'll talk about how solitary their cats are. Oh, you'll, you barely even know they exist. I could be gone for days and they don't even know I was gone. But that's really. Focus and that cat, that need for that uh, cat-human bond is really important for health.
2: Right, and I think that was one that surprised me a little bit in that they actually need it for their health. Now I have a cat that will jump up on your lap, and I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who have that kind of cat, right? That sits on your lap and you pat them. Well, that's really, really important in again strengthening that bond between us and our cats and again the idea is that you're trying to alleviate unwanted behaviors which can be for example a soiling behavior which in some cats is their way of trying to get your attention well that's not very productive way to get us to pay attention to them but it's sort of their cry for help so again very productive interactions where you are holding them. Of course, let them come to you. Don't force that interaction. But those are really important and should be every day.
1: Yeah. And I, I have to tell you a little story. My, uh, my husband, actually, when he gets a new cat, and he's, he's really the cat guy in the house, but he has this whole ritual that he does when he gets a new cat, whether it be a kitten or an older cat, that involves, you know, letting them have some isolated space away from everybody else, but then he'll go and just sit in the room and let them come to him and 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 play with them and then he has this thing that he does with gently clipping their nails while caressing them and and you know giving them a little foot massage and what happens is is that you'll get cats that will actually come to him and roll over on their backs and like put up their paws and be like hey can you clip my nails for me and it's incredible because i've never seen it before
2: that's really impressive because I think it. that's an area a lot of cats resent. But I think your husband gives a very good example of how we can have very positive interactions, even with shy kitties. And we need to interact with them in their own space, but we can't ignore them and think, oh, well, they just don't want us around at all.
1: Right. Yeah, right. totally. So then the, now the last one, <laughs> which is something that I went, oh, yeah, this this is one that made me go, oh darn it! I guess I do have to do this. Is to provide an environment that respects the important of a importance of a cat's sense of smell, and this is really kind of critical because I have a lot of olfactory triggers myself, and that pet cat-related odor that's always in the house it it really bugs me. So I have done a lot in the past you know, to try to hide that smell or to get rid of that smell. And it we saw it created huge behavior issues with uh, my husband's cats. So talk a little bit about that.
2: Right. And I think we understand that cats are really olfactory again, smell driven. But I had I had the same uh, experience as you. I Tend to, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in one of the articles that described some of these is, and we've all seen it, right? That kind of dirty area where our cats rub up against a corner of a wall, right? Well, what do we do? We run over and we clean it. Yeah. And maybe we clean (laughs) it with a disinfectant, right? Because, oh, it's brownish stuff. Well, one of the things we should do is probably allow some of that to exist. Maybe not where our company sees it, but we should not be so aggressive in cleaning it and certainly not clean it with anything that's a disinfectant that's going to have an odor. I think the scented litters is something that was, is very important. A lot of people buy scented litter in order to mask, right? Uh These smells. And probably not the best idea for our cats and how they behave so that's another thing that we need to be aware of i think just using a lot of scents in our houses using a lot of cleaners that have a heavy scent really disrupts them in their because they communicate with each other they try to communicate with us that way, and we're just disrupting that whole environment all the time, every time we go and clean, or we put a perfume in, and as you've experienced, and I can say not in my household, but my parents have a lot of cats, when they did that, then they got into more unwanted behaviors like spraying, uh-huh. or marking, because it's like, okay, well, you're taking away the sense, I'm going to get you know, up the ante a little bit on how I'm going to mark it. Commercial products, you know, there are pheromones you can plug into your wall. That can help. We can't smell them, but the cats do. And sometimes that can help provide a, a better environment for them olfactory. But I think just being really aware about when we put our perfumes into their space, we're really disrupting them.
1: So if people wanted to find more information out about the five pillars and uh, all of that, where should they go?
2: Um, A really good place is the the American Association of Feline Practitioners. So that's AAFP and the International Society of Feline Medicine, ISFM. Their websites have these available to you and they will also link you to some very extensive articles
1: awesome that is just awesome well hang tight my fellow pet lover geeks because we are going to be back with more insight on pet lover geek in just a moment
3: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clements. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1 472 5788. Again, that's 1 472 5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to Pet at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome
1: back to Pet Lover Geek pet lovers. Today, we are going to the cats. Yep, today's show is all about the latest, greatest science and tech for kitties only. Now, up next on the show, we have Dr. Liz Bale from Bales from the No bowl Cat Feeding System. Now, she's actually been on the show with us before and has some really terrific stuff to share with us, but I think what she is working on is so important. I've invited her to come back so we can get some more clarity about what she's doing and dig deeper into the No Bull system and all the science that's behind it. So welcome to the show, uh,
4: Dr. Bales. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back.
1: Okay, so let's start first with the science. Uh, We want to talk about, you know, what is the scientific research that's out there now? And it's relatively new scientific research that's out there now that says, oh, hey, (laughs) we've been feeding these indoor cats completely wrong. Tell us about that.
4: I wanna start with my journey. So I've been a vet for 17 years, and cats are really my incredible true love, and particularly my true love in veterinary medicine. So I focused all of my uh, learning and extra learning around cats. And so many cats ended up in my office with the very same problems. Obesity, vomiting after eating, urinating outside the litter box, and behavior problems like aggression or being destructive or in the multi-cat household, being aggressive with each other. Mm -hmm. But when I would examine these cats, they're healthy. So these problems were really a mystery to me. And it was 14 years into my veterinary career, just three years ago, I was at a feline internal medicine conference and we discussed every single one of these issues. And it turns out, I was just like every other vet, these are the most common problems facing our cats. With each one of these topics that we talked about over three days, eventually they all circled back to the very same information. We've been ignoring something that even little kids know. Cats are predators. Mm -hmm. They need to enact their predatory instincts at mealtime. We even use the expression, a game of cat and mouse, but we feed our cats from a bowl. And bowl feeding doesn't meet any of these needs. And the cats are acting out. They're trying to let us know in the only way that they know how, that this isn't right for them. Mm -hmm. And then the lecturer asked us if we vets knew the number one cause of death for our cats. And so we all raised our hand and said the things that we think, like cancer or urinary disease. The answer is no. The number one cause of death for cats is behavior problems. These are the very behavior problems that we are creating by the way we're feeding our cats. I mean, this hit me like a lightning bolt. I wasn't preventing or treating the number one cause of death for my patients. And in that moment, my career changed forever. So what what, –
1: and I love that. And and when you say behavior problems, are you then talking about like euthanasia?
4: I mean is that – what it leads to is that what that's you mean? Right. that's right it's right it's hard to even say and i know it's hard to hear yeah. but the number one cause of death for our cats is euthanasia so we love them so much and we want to do every single thing we can for them until you know your cat's peed on your husband's laundry for the 10th time in a month mm-hmm. or you know that your one cat is attacking the other or you know y- your cat is waking you up in the middle of, of the night four nights a week when you need to sleep to go to work and Day after day, these chronic behavior problems, we just can't take it anymore. And the only reasonable solution to many of us is to take them back to the shelter. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of overcrowding, they end up being euthanized. And in fact, euthanasia is more than all infectious and non-infectious diseases combined. It's actually epidemic. It's an epidemic and and it has been it's just that the covers are off now we're talking about it now and we can really change these problems if we understand and meet the innate needs of our cats and and let's not wait until it's a chronic problem right the thing- exciting to me is we can get in front of this. We can actually prevent these problems by understanding the innate needs of a cat and meeting them in our home environment. There's never been a more exciting time to be a veterinarian or a cat owner. Well, and I I love, uh, you
1: know, first of all, so many of those behaviors that you describe, I hear my friends who own cats like oh well that's just a cat thing you just have to deal with if you have cats and no it's and I actually since talking to you last time I was like no 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 it's because you're feeding them with a bowl and they think I'm nuts but it's true (laughs) and uh, I want you to talk a little bit about before we actually get into the no bowl system that you've created I want to talk about the seeking circuit because I think that that's key to people understanding the science behind why the bowl is bad.
4: Yeah, and I want to say, I've sort of um, aggregated all this science, but this has been available in the veterinary literature for 20 years. And now we're sort of putting together the proof and connecting the dots of how it's causing these behavior problems. But we've known this for a long time. So in nature, cats spend about 80% of their waking hours seeking food. Mm -hmm. It's their built-in physical exercise and their built-in mental engagement, and it is what we call an innate drive. That prey drive is a really strong internal need. If you think about it, like uh, if, you, if you're locked inside in a snowstorm for a couple days, you get cabin fever, that strong need to get out and do something. Cats are compelled by that every single day to hunt. And so it basically, if they're awake, they're hunting. And they hunt their prey, catch their prey, then really unique to cats, they play with their prey before they kill and eat and then groom and sleep. And that's what we call the seeking circuit. Hunt, catch, play, eat, groom, sleep. And it goes on twenty four hours a day. It's day and night. So for those people out there who have a cat that wakes them up in the middle of the night, and it turns out that's a dirty little secret for a lot of us, it's totally normal, right? Think your cat is hunting in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And since it doesn't have prey to hunt, it's hunting new.
1: <laughs> it's hunting your toes underneath the covers.
4: <laughs> It's hunting, or if you're my cat, it's hunting your face. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I would, let's dig into bowl because there's a couple of
1: things that I, I've got one now that that we're, that we're, we're weaning into our, our cat's uh, lives now. And I love the fact that it's shaped like a mouse, uh, but talk a little bit about the system itself and how it works and why it helps with this seeking circuit.
4: So, we dig back into all that science. It is not normal or healthy for a cat to eat a big meal from a bowl. Cats should be eating a minimum of five small meals a day. That seems shocking. It's so different than anything we've ever heard. But they need, if you think about it, they eat those little mice all throughout the day and night. And so their system is is physiologically ready to get a little meal many times a day. In fact, the size of your cat's stomach is the size of a ping pong ball. And when you think about just, it's about a tablespoon and a half of food. So I designed the Noble feeding system to have a food-safe, BPA-free, plastic inner container that holds uh, – it can hold more, but it's designed as, uh, at optimum to hold about 1.6 tablespoons of dry food or treats. Mm. So you put that amount in all five – at once. The kid has five mice in it. So you measure and fill the five mice at once and then you hide them in different parts of your home. So now instead of gorging from a bowl, your cat is engaging all of those innate instincts where they hunt, catch, and play with that small portion before eating that little perfect portion and then going on to either sleep or hunt again. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and what about people that – because there's a lot of people that use
4: wet food for various reasons. Uh, What about people that use wet food? Does it work with that? So it's a great question, and I have not been able to design something where a cat can actually – pick up and play with and throw around wet food in a way that anyone would want in their homes. <laughs> uh, if you if you go online and look at the Noble feeding system, um, it is the size and shape of a mouse, So it re- and it has a fabric covering. So the cat can use its claws and teeth and carry it around like it would prey, do whatever it wants with it, just like it would prey. And I have not perfected that with wet food yet. So you can slightly reduce the wet food that you're feeding, And feed the dry food or a treat that works with whatever you're feeding. In fact, you don't need more food in each feeder to make the difference. They just need that hunting opportunity Mm -hmm. and to have the meal in conjunction with the hunt at least five times a day. So, for instance, if you're feeding three quarters of a can, you could back it off to half a can and put two or three pieces of kibble or one of your favorite treats in each of the five nobles and hide them. So now your cat is still getting the the major part of its diet from the food that they're used to eating, but still unable to enact their predatory instincts naturally. Right. Because
1: it's the behavior that we're addressing with, with this feeding system.
4: So it is, it really is, but it's also exercise. I mean, you can't take your cat out for a walk, right? Or, you know, you can, but probably it's not so easy and it's not enough. Uh, You, it's really that built in exercise and Engaging that predatory instinct and portion control, it really fits all of the natural feeding behaviors, both physically and psychologically, of our cats. Now, I'm curious, are there other,
1: because the, the, what I think is fascinating is this, this never occurred to me before, but it's like a duh moment for me. Are there other things that are out there, other behaviors and things like that with cats in particular, that when you look back at the science, you go, why are we doing it this way? That you would like to see a change or, or d- new products developing to better meet our, our cats'
4: needs? You know, one of the, I'm so glad you asked, because one of the the biggest behavior problems that ends cats up back in the shelter is urinating outside the litter box. Mm -hmm. And um, I want people to understand this behavior. Uh, We take it personally. We think they're doing it um, either because they have a urinary tract infection or they're trying to spite us. Both of those are incorrect. Uh, the the likelihood of your cat having a bacterial urinary tract infection is it for most cats less than three percent so it's possible it certainly is possible and for that reason it's really good to go take your cat to the vet and get a medical clearance but it's 70 percent chance that it is from the anxiety of not having a a living environment that's conducive to its predatory needs Mm -hmm. isn't that amazing Mm -hmm. for your readers out there that are interested in this you can look up pandora's syndrome like pandora's box Mm -hmm. um and there's a researcher by the name of tony buffington who has spent his entire career trying to understand these things and after 35 years has come to the research conclusion that Uh, An environment that's not conducive to a cat's predatory needs is the most likely cause of urinating outside the litter box. We really need to think about this differently. They're not doing this because they're trying to spite us. Mm -hmm. They're doing this. It's actually really sad. They're doing this because they are so stressed by their environment that they're having an inflammatory reaction in their bladder that's causing them pain, discomfort, and, and often blood. Um, so, uh, you know, they're not doing, we need to help them mm-hmm. and learn about this and not take them back to the shelter or get mad at them. They're, they're just acting out in the only way that they know how. So understanding the cat's innate needs and how we meet them in the home, I think is the real medicine for the next decade. Fantastic. Good
1: stuff. Thanks so much, Dr. Bales, as, as usual, really great stuff. Tell people really quickly where they can get the noble system.
4: So you can check us out at n-o-b-o-w-l-c-a-t.com. That's nobowlcat.com. Let's get rid of that bowl and start meeting our cat's real needs.
1: Thank you so much for coming on the show. Stay tuned, folks. We've got more kittyrific fun coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.
3: A phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset? Your home. Is it from a reality show on cable TV? A comparison website? Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into to Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor dev tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon Pacific on Voice America Variety.
3: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866- 472-5787 Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com
0: This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back with more Pet Lover Geek. Today is all about the kitties. A week, a week ago, a few weeks ago, actually, we had the chance to chat with Chief Veterinary Officer of Purina, Dr. Ken Ken Venator. And we talked a lot about the incredible extensive research and advancements and dietary studies that they're doing over there at Purina. But frankly, the conversation was really canine heavy. We didn't really get to talk much much about what they're doing for cats. So we thought for today's show, it was only fair to invite Purina to come back on the show. But this time, we're going to dig into the work that they are doing on feline nutrition. So I'm really thrilled today to have Dr. Zara Boland with me. She's a research scientist and veterinarian at Purina, and she is going to talk about cats. Welcome to the show, Dr. Zara.
5: Thank you, Lori, and it's lovely to have to be here. Thanks so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay.
1: So let's just dig on in because one of the big things that, that I hear, especially from new pet parents, um, they're not really sure, you know, what's the difference? Why can't I just feed my dog and my cat the same thing? So if you could talk a little bit about those basic nutritional needs from for cats and why they're so different than dogs.
5: No worries. Yeah, the, the the most common misperception is that cats are small dogs, but they're most definitely not. <laughs> they're um they're very very different species. And actually, cats are obligate carnivores, which you hear a lot. But that does that that means that they have to eat meat. Um, but it doesn't have to cons- constitute their whole entire diet. What's really um differentiates them differentiates them from dogs is that they require more um essential nutrients to be provided in their food than dogs do. And in fact, dogs require more than we do as humans. So we're the most simple simple species to feed and it gets more complex as you as you ladder up through the species, the cats being one of the more complicated ones. Right. Um, yeah,
1: my husband would say, Right, just feed me pizza all the time and I am I'm perfect. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Might not be complete and balanced, which is what we try and aim for here at Purina. <laughs> right, right.
1: Okay, so you said something important, because one of the other things that I hear a lot um, from cat parents, um, and y- you know, for di- various different reasons, but they say, hey, cats are carnivores, there shouldn't be any grain or vegetable at all in their food, it should be just meat only. But that's, it, why is that, um, that thinking maybe not um, correct?
5: Well, fundamentally, grains, there's a a lot of good in grains, but if you take it right back to basics, then this is where dogs and cats actually have a similarity. Um, From a nutritional perspective, neither of them need to have carbohydrates in their diet. They can actually get the energy that they need um, from breaking down things like muscle and protein and fats in, in, in their own body. But... Because we don't want them to do that, that's why we provide carbohydrates. So carbohydrates are the simplest form of energy that we can give to the body. So cats are very, very, very well able to utilize carbohydrates to to get energy from it. Um, And grains are a lovely form of complex carbohydrates.
1: Well, I think one of the things that was explained to me by a, a veterinary nutritionist when she was explaining about grains and vegetables for my dog was that if you look at what a wild dog would perhaps hunt in the woods and what they eat first from their prey and their prey is usually a vegetarian prey what they eat first is going to be the stuff that has the nutrients that they're getting uh, a lot of the vegetable from the vegetable matter
5: that these prey are eating is it something like that yeah, I mean cats when they when they so cats are cats are hunters. So in the wild they'll eat up to ten to twenty mice a day. That's that's the reality. So every time they catch a mouse they've got to work hard for it number one so they're expending a huge amount of, of of exercise and energy just finding the mouse um then when they eat it they eat the entire thing so they don't just eat selectively the muscle meat they eat the bones they eat the the um the tiny little stomach contents they eat the liver all the good the good organ meats they eat every single part of it and and just like um, you and I aren't made entirely of, of 100% protein and meat. We also have elements of our body that are, that are fats and carbohydrates and minerals as well and vitamins.
1: Got it. Got it. So that makes perfect sense to me. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk specifically, I know we talked with Dr. Kurt about the incredible research uh, on lifespan and, uh, that's being done with, with dogs, but you guys also do a really incredible bunch of research with cats. So I'd love if you can talk about what Purina is doing that's been dedicated to studying cat nutrition
5: well we 're we're, we're constantly studying and evolving because we always want to find out more and how we can help to optimize um, their lives and and um, I'm sure in a pro plan in particular have done a lot of research over the last nine years. Um, in cat nutrition specifically, looking at how we can extend their healthy lifespan. So we've actually just put, I don't know if you're aware or heard of the product Prime Plus, which is on the shelves now in, in nationwide and in, in pet specialty retail stores. But that's an, the results of a nine-year study that we did with 90 cats. And we followed them from the ages of seven. They were all between the ages of seven and 17. And we divided them into three different groups to look at, really, we were aiming to determine um the effect of antioxidants and whether antioxidants would have an impact on health and longevity if we added it to the diet. And so we we took these two three groups of cats. We fed um, each of them were fed a complete and balanced food. Um, the one group, one group that was our control group got that, that complete and balanced diet for the duration of the nine year study. The second group got the same, but they were supplemented with antioxidants. And then the third group got the same, but they were all supplemented with antioxidants and, and added extras, um, like prebiotic fibers and omega 3 and 6 fatty acids in a, in a, what we, what we have is a proprietary blend. But the results of that nine year study were really, really significant. In fact, they're groundbreaking. Because what we discovered is that those cats that were fed that proprietary blend of nutrients lived on average up to a year longer than cats on either of the other groups, which is huge in itself. But on top of that, they, they had a healthy longevity and increased lifespan. So when we're looking at, at some of the signs of um, aging in cats, we notice that they lose body condition as they get older and they lose lean body mass. And they can also get a change in their skin thickness and skin elasticity. And so some of the really cool changes that these, group, these um, cats had in that group that were fed that new proprietary blend was that they maintained their lean body mass. They, they had less of a loss. It's kind of an a interesting concept to get your mind around, but they had less loss of muscle as they aged. They maintained their body condition better, and they also had better skin thickness, um, which are huge, huge factors in quality of life in cats as they age they also had a better um, digestive health because they, we, we did studies to look at what was coming out the other end um, and we looked at the microflora, the bacteria in the gut. And again, those cats that were fed that proprietary blend had a much better balance and a significant difference, in fact, um, on a scientific level in the bacteria in their gut with a predominance of goop bacteria over the pathogenic clostridial bacteria. So the, the, the third group, the one that you're
1: talking about, that had the proprietary prepared, oh, <laughs> blend... Um, the, the, the differences were from both the control group and the second group.
5: No, the differences were between um, that third group and, well, yeah, we compared it all three, of course, across the board, but the most significant differences were between the control group and the third group.
1: So when you when you look at then the differences between the second group and the third group, uh, were there, obviously they were better with the third group, um, but how much of a difference was it? I, and the reason I'm asking is because when I hear something from a consumer standpoint, I hear proprietary blend, that says to me, yeah. oh, it's only going to be ever used by Purina, so my cat's not going to benefit unless I choose Purina, which, of course, obviously you want them to do. But I'm just curious, like, how how big of a difference was there between those two groups?
5: Well, I think that, I mean, without going into huge detail and, and graphs and analysis with you, which I'd be happy to do, but I think it'll eat up all our time, yes. I think that, the, the main thing, the main difference to point out, is that the second group had antioxidants alone, and so there was differences, but they weren't significant um, compared to the control group. Mm-hmm. But the third group had the antioxidants plus the prebiotic fibres, plus the the fatty acids, the essential fatty acids, plus the um, the 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 elements of antioxidants like beta carotene that the second group. There was just there was such a difference between them that I can only kind of call it out as added to the antioxidants, you were able to see these results, and they were significantly different.
1: Well, it's exciting, because anything that's going to not only prolong our kitties' lives, but also make them healthier is, is awesome, really exciting. But I, I want to hear also, too, like, do you have any um, ongoing research? Like, are you going to continue to work with these, uh, this group of animals, continue to study them to see how they're going after the nine years? Or are there other things that you're researching now?
5: Oh, we're we're constantly researching. I mean, that's the great thing about working here is that we're we're always looking and evolving and seeing what what we can do better um, to optimise pet health in, in pets and in dogs. But um, I think what the the exciting part is that um, well, the exciting part I can't. I, I, I can't share with you because we're, we're doing the research, but I would say watch this space because we're, we're always doing, we're always looking at, at, um, at what we can do better to, to improve longevity and lifespan in our, in our dogs and cats. And, and really the ultimate aim is to, is to have that, um, that lifelong um, innovation and breakthrough innovation that, that really is specific to ProPlan, free and ProPlan, that optimizes the bond that we share with our cats. Because ultimately, we want to we want to have them living longer so that we can share our lives with them for longer, but also having that healthy length of life. Fantastic. Now, and anything we can do,
1: traditionally, we do. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, want, we have just a little bit of time left. And what I, I would love for you to talk about is just in general, when I'm a cat food, um, or excuse me, cat parent uh, at the store, and I'm looking at... Um, all the different options that are there before me now obviously prime plus this brand new one is really exciting but when i'm looking at all the other cat food options that i have i have wet i have dry i have grain free non-grain free i have organic i have and just within the purina line what are kind of some of the things that i should be looking for to buy what's really best for me because we know not all dog foods are best for every dog so not all cat foods maybe are best for every dog so what kinds of things should i be looking for
5: well, that's really going to depend on your own preferences and those of your cat, because every cat's unique. So um, we have we we supply all across the range. So we have wet food, we have dry food, we have grain-free food. Um, I think the fundamentals are, you know, depending on on your cat and. Wet food is wonderful because it increases water intake, and and cats are notoriously good at concentrating their urine because they're not great water drinkers, Um, and that's because they've evolved from from desert-dwelling animals. So if you've got particularly young male cats, they can be more predisposed if they're indoors to having urinary urinary problems, and so it's wonderful to have the option of feeding them wet food. Um, Then if you look at dry food, the crunchy texture can help to keep teeth clean, and it encourages them to chew. You know, if you leave it out overnight, it's not going to spoil. And if you put it out in smaller volumes, it can help cats that that like to graze and nibble during the day, which isn't so good if you've got wet food left around the place. (laughs) Yeah, no.
1: (laughs) That can get gross after a while. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate your time today, Dr. Zara. Such a good time to have you on. No, thanks so much for the opportunity to speak with you. (laughs) Fantastic. Stick around, pet lovers, because we've got some more feline delights to share with you when we come back on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank
4: you for calling.
3: VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at one 472 5788 Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back
1: to the show, pet lovers. I hope you've enjoyed today's show so far. We've even de- devoted this entire episode to cats, and a lot of focus today has been on food and how we feed our cats, because let's face it, that's a key part of a healthy life for your kitty. But our primary talk about food today has really been geared towards kibble or canned food, you know, commercially produced food. And there is another option. As we've discussed on previous shows, raw feeding for dogs is tremendously popular. Well, there's a lot of cat parents out there that are now turning towards raw feeding as an option for their pets. So joining us today is Robin Olson. Now you might know her from her blog, CoveredInCatHair.com, but Robin is also a leading voice in the cat raw food segment. She's on the advisory board for the Feline Nutrition Foundation. Her Cat Rescue Kitten Associates is one of the few no-kibble uh fed rescues in the country, and we are really excited to have her with us today to talk about raw feeding for cats. Welcome to the show, Robin.
6: Well, thanks very much for having me here. I'm thrilled to be on the show today.
1: Okay. I'm I'm excited to talk about this because I think that there's yeah. a lot of misconceptions about raw feeding, certainly in the dog world. I'm sure that they exist in the cat world too. So thanks for help being here to help us clear these up. We talked a lot today about how cats eat in the wild and how a lot of keeping a cat healthy is trying to to give them situations that go back to that whole being in the wild. So we talk about how they're obligate carnivores and how they spend a lot of their time hunting and eating small mammals like mice. So tell us how this might translate into a raw food diet.
6: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because what we want to do is mimic as closely as we can what cats would eat in the wild and that definitely is some kind of small mammal, birds, bugs, variety, and high protein. Why? Obligate carnivores, right? You were talking about that earlier. Cats can't digest grains very effectively. Their saliva doesn't have an enzyme in it to digest those things. So they eat other animals that have already eaten those things and take the beneficial like chemicals nutrition from those stomach digested stomach contents. So when we do that with raw, we can kind of mimic it. We don't, well, I don't personally go out and kill mice and bring them home for my cats, but there are definite ways to do that.
1: So so okay. We'll, we'll get into a little bit about the the yeah. you know, how to in a bit, but why would I even consider a raw food diet for my cat? I mean, traditional mm-hmm. diet. There's going to be there are some health issues I'm sure, like what we see with dogs. What are traditional right. diet health issues that you might see that might make you say, "Hmm, maybe I should look at doing raw."
6: Well, first of all, the reason why we should do this, this is what kind of drives me nuts. Is let's say you go to the doctor. And the doctor says, hey, your health is poor. What's the first thing they say to you? What are you eating? Are you eating overprocessed foods? Are you eating chemical laden foods? Or are you eating a fresh diet? I don't understand why it seems that in the pet food industry, uh, there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of money put behind this message that, oh, no, it's okay to feed overprocessed food and chemically laden food to your pet as opposed to what a raw diet is, which is a fresh, wholesome diet. So things that you're going to see with a cat who might not be getting the benefit of this raw diet, if they're not being fed that, you're going to see lots of digestive issues. Irritable bowel, uh, vomiting, and it doesn't seem to make sense why the cat's vomiting all the time. Diabetes. Diabetes cancer, uh, dental issues, uh, struvite crystals in their bladders, uh, you know, you name it. And usually the source is inappropriate nutrition.
1: Yeah. And, and, and so one of the things that I know, I know we heard about in our last segment, and we hear a lot of times when we're bringing on, you know, nutritionists and things like that, that they talk about that these chemically um, produced diets are – nutritionally balanced and what I'm hearing from you and certainly what I've found in my own research for re- raw feeding for dogs is that there's other ways to make, to get that balance in perhaps a more healthy and natural way as you say so what kind of pushback do you hear from folks that maybe don't support the raw feeding
6: well, the biggest one I hear is this vilification of salmonella poisoning. You're going to get sick. You're going to make your cat sick. Uh, it's not going to be a perfectly balanced diet because, you know, wow, because cats can't, you know, go out in the wild and live on a balanced diet. Yes, they can. So the first thing about the salmonella, cats have a very acidic digestion. So do dogs. That's why they can go out and kill things and eat them raw and still live and be happy and healthy and thrive. So I say to people, do you cook for yourself? Do you cook for your family? How many times have you killed any of your family members (laughs) with food poisoning? You wash your hands, common sense, bleach your surfaces, wash your dishes with soapy water. I mean, this is not an issue to me mm-hmm. but apparently this is one thing a lot of pet food companies like to put a hook on is either well it is not balanced yes it is there's absolute ways to do that and there's lots of companies that do commercial raw diets that are balanced or you're going to sicken your household and you know bring this plague upon anyone that comes near you and it's just not true cats with their acidic digestion just they don't tend to get this kind of an issue in the first place and if you're keeping clean it's not a problem
1: yeah and i i think as a as a raw feeder of dog my dogs eat raw as myself Mm -hmm. i mean like I have rituals that I do to keep everything clean, and it kind of indicates when somebody says, oh, you're going to get salmonella. Don't you think that I care about my own health? I do care about my own health. So (laughs) I am taking those precautions that I need to do because I am aware I am handling raw meat right now. So let's say that I decide, okay, I'm going to switch to raw feeding for my cats. Now, for my dogs, it was easy. They scarf up anything I put in front of them. It was like literally like overnight. They're like, yeah, we like this. Not so with my cats. My kitties are Mm -hmm. ridiculously picky eaters and usually want to eat the crummiest uh, kibble I can give them. So how do you suggest somebody who was wanting to transition into raw feeding?
6: Well, it depends on if the cat was indoor, outdoor, or indoor only. Um, if cats have been fed a poor quality diet, those diets have chemicals sprayed on them to entice the cat to eat. Um, but if you notice they gobble their food and then they throw it up later because it's really, it's really not nutritious for them. It's not really satisfying. So um, expect that there's going to be pushback and expect it to take some measure of time indoor outdoor cats who have had access to killing animals on their own wild little prey animals they'll usually take to raw really quick and they love it the indoor guys who've had the yucky diets they're going to take some time i recently transitioned two six-year-old cats that had the cheapest crappiest food of all time they would not touch even canned food but i did not give up And it took me some time. And there's lots of cool little tricks you can do to transition. FelineNutrition.org, they have some information on how to transition your cats over to a raw diet. It's a step-by-step thing. You're going to use the existing food and then transition slowly with less and less of the old food and more and more of the new food. And sometimes you need to do a bridge food, go from dry to a high-protein canned and then go to raw. Um, it really depends on the cat, mm-hmm. but just remember one thing: you are the boss,
1: <laughs> right? And the other, the, th- the, right? Yeah, to- Well, I don't know. We're still working on that one in my house. But the other thing to remember too is is that you know you can't free feed these guys. This has got to be set meal times no. for these guys, right?
6: Yes, that's a very good point. You know, and also a set mealtime, two to three meals a day, depending on the age of your cat and their health, is a great way to bond with your cat because now your cat isn't just seeing this magic bowl of food that's always there yeah, forever. Totally. They see you as bringing them the food, providing them with the food, and that's a beautiful bonding thing to have with your cat. And also, it's important for you to know, is my cat eating their food? Right. How do you know if your cat's sick if they quit eating? (laughs) Yeah, or is it your dog? Or is it the other cat in the house that's eating all the food and one cat's not getting any? Right. This is all great
1: stuff, Robin. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Tell us again the name of the uh, website that they should visit to learn more.
6: Well, they can always come to kittenassociates.org or they can go to feline-nutrition.org or catinfo.org are both really excellent sources for uh, raw feeding cats. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Robin. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: That's all we have time for today, pet lovers. I want to thank all of my guests for their great insights on our cats and how to give them a healthy, fulfilled life. It's been great stuff. Make sure you tune in next week because we are going to go green and we're going to learn about some wonderfully innovative products that are out there that are earth-friendly and fabulous for your pets. That's what's next week on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.